Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 20, the Gordon Hayward edition of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Is everyone ready for the holidays? I hope you are. Hopefully, listening to this podcast will calm you down and keep you focused on what's important this holiday season, and that's the Boston Celtics. Let's be serious. Facebook, Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast, and on the Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18. And I am sure you are listening on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Music or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Podbean. Thank you for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. First off, let's, you know, as usual, let's just talk about where the Celtics currently are. They are currently 18 and 11, which is the fifth best record in the Eastern Conference. They're only four games back of the one seed, one and a half games back of the two seed, and they play the Bucks and the 76ers within the next eight yeah with within the next eight days so two very very important games coming up for them the next four games for the celtics are actually at home so it's nice to have a nice little four game homestand a much needed rest after the eight game win streak ended the other night in detroit the celtics as of right now have the 14th the 20th the 21st and the 25th picks in the nba draft really not ideal or what danny was hoping for but that is currently where the Celtics are. We're going to recap this week's Celtics games. We're going to preview the upcoming games against the Suns, the Bucks, and the Hornets. I am going to release a podcast next week on Christmas Eve. So basically, if you need to get away from your in-laws or your family and friends or the annoying aunt or whatever the case may be, hopefully next week... The, those 30 minutes of the Celtics uh, Banner Banter podcast will will be good for you. So... Happy early holidays and Merry Christmas to all. But right away, let's do this. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud is Robert Williams, a.k.a. the Time Lord. There has been a big debate this week about Robert Williams playing more, Robert Williams' nickname. Let's just get this out of the way right now. I know Weird Celtics Twitter is all about the Time Lord, and I am about the Time Lord as well. I think that should be the nickname for Robert Williams. I explained why last week. That needs to be the nickname. No questions asked. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Over the last five games, Robert Williams has been playing very well. You know, when he plays, the Celtics are 10-3 and as a team. I think that's very important to notice. 5.8 boards, 2.3 blocks, and 4.3 points per game over, the, over his last five games. I think that's very impressive. I think he played great against Anthony Davis. I know that was last week. But this week, he came in. He had five blocks the other night. Who did they play the other night? Why am I having a brain fart? I went to the game. It was a lot of fun. Who did they play? Why am I having a brain fart? This is so annoying. Who in God's name did they play? I am not going to look. 
Oh, they played the Hawks the other night, and he literally had five blocks, and he only played 16 minutes. That's super impressive. So he's basically getting a block every three minutes. It was fantastic to watch. I think he gets better and better every single game. Because right now, let's be honest, he has no idea what he's doing out there. And that's fine. He's a rookie, and that's what we expect. But as time goes on, if he can figure out what he's actually doing and doesn't bite on every up fake, the Time Lord is going to be the real deal for the Boston Celtics. He's going to be super, super important for this team. And the dud of the week is Danny Ainge for saying that weird Celtics Twitter could come up with a better nickname than Time Lord. And then he comes out on Twitter and says, Lob Williams, L-O-B, Lob Williams. Like if you throw him a lob, you know, something that Terry Rozier can't do. If you throw a lob, Lob Williams will catch it. Eh, wrong. Terrible name, Danny Ainge. You are the dud this week, Danny Ainge. And the other reason why you're the dud, because Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart passed you on the all-time Celtics three-point made shots. Are you kidding me, Danny Ainge? You couldn't shoot the ball a little bit better. You had to focus on baseball so much while you're on the Blue Jays and whatever other teams you played for. Focus more on your three-pointers. Marcus Smart passed you. You come up with a terrible nickname for Robert Williams. You are the dud this week. So the stud, Robert Williams, the dud, Danny Ainge. All right, let's get into this Wizards-Celtics game because that game was awesome. Badass game in plain English. A great NBA game last Wednesday. The Celtics won 130-125 to 125 after Kyrie scores the final 12 points in overtime. Kyrie was absolutely spectacular. If if you think about last year and where the team was last year after after Kyrie went down with his knee injury, the issue was the Celtics couldn't score. And this is why you have Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie Irving can take over basketball games and be the scorer that you need that they didn't have in Game 7 against the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Honest to God's truth. That's what it is. Kyrie plays in that series. Celtics win. I fully believe that because he's the guy at the end of the game after that Jason Tatum dunk where he dunked on LeBron and they basically went scoreless after that. Kyrie is the type of scorer that can do that. He hit two unbelievable three-pointers towards the end of overtime that basically capped it off for the Celtics. It was absolutely incredible. The Celtics won without Al Horford, no Gordon Hayward, no Jalen Brown, and Aaron Baines only played like 15 or 16 minutes, but he started the game. But he like started the game, played six minutes, and then basically didn't play randomly until like the fourth quarter. Now, here's here's my favorite part about this whole Celtics game. They took more than 20 free throws, 25 to be exact, and guess what? They made them all. Woo! Love that. First, they are the first team that has shot more than 25, 25 or more free throws for the Boston Celtics and have made all of them since April of 1990. So literally, it's been 28 years that this has happened for the Celtics, and they did it. Go to the line. This team is a good free-throw shooting team, minus the Pistons game this past Saturday. But this is a good free-throw shooting team. Go to the line. You'll make them. I promise. Now, let's be... Now, after, sure, they they won the game, they hit all their free throws, which was great, but they sucked in the first half. They really did. They only shot 38% from the field, and they only had six assists. Six assists in the entire first half. That's 24 minutes. That's what. That's simple math. That's one assist every four minutes. That's terrible. 
Terrible. And then guess what? They got 10 assists in the third quarter. And they finished with 20 for the game. So they got 14 assists in the second half. That's the way Celtics basketball should be. A lot of ball movement equals better play, better opportunities for everyone, and better shot selection. Because like I've been saying the last couple weeks, the Celtics shot selection sometimes absolutely sucks. And it proved to be that, especially when the Celtics were down 11 to start that third quarter, where midway through the third quarter, they came back, they took a seven-point lead, and then they let the Wizards come back into it because of piss-poor shot selection. One of the other really good things that I really enjoyed about the Celtics in this game was their rebounding. It was very important, just like it was against the Pelicans last Monday. They out-rebounded the Wizards by nine, and they had 24 second-chance points. Are you kidding me? 24 second-chance points for this Boston Celtics team is unheard of. Because ever since Brad Stevens has come around, hell, even before Brad Stevens came around, the Celtics had never been a really good offensive rebounding team. And the fact that they can out-rebound the Wizards by 9 and then have 24 second-chance points. I mean, I believe the Wizards only had 6 or 8 second-chance points, so they literally 16 more second-chance points. You're going to win a lot of basketball games that way. A lot, a lot of basketball games. And during this eight, and during that 8-game win streak, I know it ended the other night, but during that 8-game win streak, the Celtics have out-rebounded their opponents 7 out of 8 times. And they only lost the, the, that battle to the Knicks. I think it was by like one or two rebounds when they played them, what was it, last Friday or last Thursday at home. That Thursday night game on TNT, that is when they lost the rebounding battle. So if the Celtics out-rebound teams, they're going to do very, very well. They lost the rebounding battle against the Pistons by like four or five. And guess what? They lost. This Celtics team rebounds, hits their free throws, and has better shot selection. They're going to be very, very hard to beat, which is why they won eight games in a row. I know it was against crappy competition, but again, boost of confidence goes a long way. One of the really cool things, looking at my notes real quick, that I that I found very enjoyable about this game was John Wall versus Kyrie. John Wall versus Kyrie Irving, in, especially in overtime, those are arguably two out of the best four point guard, four best point guards in the East. You know, you figure Kemba, Kyrie. I'm not. This is not in any order. No, no order. Kyrie, Kemba, John Wall. I hate Kyle Lowry, but I do have to admit, you know, he's a good basketball player. All those guys. Sure, you can call Ben Simmons a point guard. He's good, but if you take him outside the the paint, he sucks. So I, I really can't put him in in that competition. But it was it was fun to see John Wall and Kyrie kind of go back and forth. Those are that's why you enjoy the game of basketball. I know a lot of people don't like basketball because it's more individual stuff than it is team stuff. You know, like football is more of a team game than it is with basketball, where it's more superstar one on one based. But Kyrie and John Wall going at each other was really, really cool. And I do have to give one shout out, and this is probably going to be the nicest thing I've ever said about Marcus Smart. The only reason why the Celtics won this game, minus Kyrie going off in overtime, was Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart did things in this game that, like, you can't look at in the box score, you can't look at analytics, nothing. Marcus Smart in this game, it literally, if someone said, why did you offer Marcus Smart $12 million a year, you would literally hand them a VHS or a DVD or the your DVR to this person and say, watch the Wizards game. This is why we gave Marcus Smart $12 million. He was everywhere. Picking up offensive fouls, 
low amount of turnovers, diving for balls, like making the smart play, making the extra pass. Like, and I don't even mean like making the extra pass and getting the assist. I'm talking about making the extra pass to the next pass that leads to the shot. So getting a lot of hockey assists. I'd love to know how many hockey assists Marcus Smart has. Marcus Smart, like I wanted to give Marcus Smart a hug after this game. And I can't believe I just said that because I'm a, I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart guy, but after this Wizards game, you you look at Danny Ainge and go, sure, you were the dud this week, but I'm okay with that money that you offered Marcus Smart because no one else in the NBA does what Marcus Smart does, and if you want to give him 12 mil a year, sure, screw it, give it to him. With that being said, if Marcus Smart decides to suck over the next two weeks, I'm going to come back to this episode, edit it, and delete everything that I said nice about him. I'm not even kidding. That's the power of the internet. No joke. All right, let's go into the Hawks game. Hawks-Celtics. Celtics won 129-108 after scoring 40 points twice in the second quarter. How cool is that? But again, they suck in the second quarter. I'm sure some of you saw on the Instagram story at Banner Banter Podcast, I took a screenshot of the scoreboard and basically called out the Celtics only going to score 20 points in the second quarter after they, I think they scored 42 or 43 points in the first quarter of that game. And they scored 25. So I was pretty close. It was bound to happen. They were playing way too good and shooting the ball way too well for for that to happen for four straight quarters. But overall, a really good game by that team. And I just have to give a shout out to Vince Carter. I mean, let's be honest. Vince Carter was, I don't want to compare to compare him to Ken Griffey Jr. Because most people my age in the 90s, Ken Griffey Jr., whether you like the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Phillies or the Florida Marlins, like whoever the hell you liked, your first love for baseball was Ken Griffey Jr. The reason why you wore a backwards hat was Ken Griffey Jr. Vince Carter, I feel like in the early 2000s, like if I was born 10 years later, Vince Carter would have been my Ken Griffey Jr. for basketball. No joke. That the dunk contest, the Nike Shock sneakers, and the fact that this dude is still playing, still he can still dunk better than like half the dudes in the league. He's sticking three-pointers. He doesn't care that he's playing on the Hawks. He just loves the game of basketball. I have to give us a big shout-out and salute to Vince Carter. It was so cool to see him play, and I hope we can see him for years and years to come. You know, because you think about it, Vince Carter is pretty old. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's 40 yet. I, I could be wrong on that. But if he's like 38, 39, Kyrie's talking about re- retiring when he's like 33. Like, Kyrie wants to retire in eight years, and some could say Vince Carter should have retired three years ago when he was, like, 35. It's crazy to think about. So, good for you, Vince Carter. He doesn't care that he's on a crappy team like the Hawks, but shout-out to Vince Carter. That was really, really cool. Here's the great thing about the Celtics in this game, especially in the first quarter. They obviously came out on fire, like I mentioned. They shot 72% from the field, 75% from three-point range. And, and, And it's so crazy again, how the Celtics can just suck in the second quarter. They absolutely suck in the second quarter. So the first quarter, 16-22 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3, and then they ended up, twenty at the end of the first half, they ended up 24 out of 48 and 9 out of 19, which basically means the Celtics went 8 out of 26 in the second quarter from the field and 3 out of 10 from three-point range in the second quarter. That's terrible. Like, how does it just keep happening like that? It goes up and down. It's like, good basketball, and then crappy November basketball. Like, I I don't get it. I don't understand it, but it's crazy. But the shot selection during that second quarter, and I'm sorry that I keep mentioning shot selection, but the shot selection for this team has to improve. They went from missing open open shots early 
in November, late in October. They had a really bad record because they were missing open shots, and now they're taking tough contested shots, and they're not going in either. So I kind of like want them to go back to taking those open shots, but if they can't miss them, I don't know. It's it's this weird thing. It's like a double-edged sword. I honestly don't know what what to do or what to think. But with that being said, the last eight games, well, I'm not counting the Pistons game here because we'll get into that in a bit, but during this eight-game win streak, the Celtics have scored 120 points six out of eight times. They only did that five times last season. As a team, five times total. And they literally have done it six out of the last eight games. So sure, the shot selection suck. But I think the shot selection sucks when there's pressure on them. You look at the Wizards game. You look at the Hornets game of a few weeks back when they went like 4-15 in the last five or six minutes. I know I bring that game up a lot because I'm still annoyed by that because they should have won that game. And that better not happen on Sunday, December 23rd when they're at home against the Hornets. But this team... If they can score 120-plus points a game and play the defense that they've been playing, I don't care if it's against crappy teams. They're still playing good defense. They're not playing down to their level. This team can go a long, long way. And I know 18-11 and 11 really is an ideal. I know 5th in the East is an ideal. But if you think about it, they could beat the Bucks. They could beat the 76ers. They beat the Hornets. They beat the Suns. They can go on a four-game winning streak over these next four games. They could be second or third, by the end of December. And what I've been saying over the last couple weeks, survive December, okay? So 120-plus points, six out of the last eight games, and their top five scorers, Kyrie, Morris, Tatum, and Gordon Hayward. Keep that in mind, okay? Kyrie, Morris, Tatum, and Gordon Hayward. Keep that in mind when I talk about the Pistons game in a little bit. We obviously talked about Robert Williams in that game. I loved Robert Williams in that game. Five blocks in the game. Becomes the second rookie in franchise history to do this in one game. Guess who did it? Any guesses out there? Go ahead. I'll let you say it out loud. Go. You ready? One, two, three. Guess. Jason Tatum last year. That's who actually did it. So those are the only two rookies in Celtics franchise history to have five blocks in one game. Now, you want to talk about more crazy stats when it comes to Celtics franchise history? The Celtics hit 19 three-pointers in this game. It's the fifth time they've done this this year. They've only done it twice before in franchise history. Think about all the championships. 17 banners. You gotta love it, right? 17 banners. The team's been around for 60, 70 years. Only have hit 19 three-pointers two times. They've done it five times just this season. Live or die by the three. I kind of hate it. Speaking of things that I hate, 21 turnovers in this game. The Celtics were really sloppy. Really, really sloppy with the ball. They thought they could be a little cute with some extra passes. And then there are times over this over this win streak where the ball movement has just been like me out, like turn me on. It's been real good. But sometimes they make like two or three extra passes that are just not needed. And sometimes that can lead to turnovers. And that's what happened in the Hawks game. There were times where, you know, Tatum would catch the ball and he'd swing it over to Marcus Morris in the corner, but and it would cause a turnover or be a bad pass. And no, 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 Jason, catch the ball, give me a little up fake, go to the hoop, or do a little up fake, do a little step back, shoot a three. That's what you need to do. So 21 turnovers against a team that's really not that good really isn't ideal. And Kyrie had four, Tatum had four, I think Rogier and Hayward each had three each. So not ideal to have that many turnovers, especially from your guys. And it. It, 
they forced, I think, well, I think they forced like 24 turnovers. And like, I'm going back and forth like, hey, wow, 24 turnovers for the Hawks, but like they suck. So you you expect that, but you can't have 21 turnovers in the playoffs or against a good team like the Bucks or the 76ers coming up and expect to win basketball games. And I know we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how their turnovers have been going down, like 13 in October, 13 in November, 10 in December, on average at the time last week. I haven't punched the numbers in yet. But these are the kind of things we have to talk about because right now their assist-to-turnover ratio in the NBA, where do you think it's ranked overall? I think it's pretty high. Let me double-check here. Right now the Celtics have the fourth-best assist-to-turnover ratio in the NBA. I think that's very, very impressive. Yeah. And then overall, yeah, they're top 10 in a lot of assist to turnover ratios, you know, assists per game or assists based on shot. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all over the place with all these different type of stats, and they're really good at it. So just keep the turnovers down. Keep that assist to turnover ratio down, and this team is going to go a long, long way. That is a promise. And one other quick thing about the Hawks game, I, I just mentioned this. I, I know there's a bug going around on this team. You know That's why Gordon didn't play a couple weeks ago. That's why Jalen Brown hasn't played in like the Wizards game. Jalen Brown came back maybe a game early. He went 2 for 12. He really didn't look that great. But Gordon Hayward, after a four or five days of rest, came back, scored 19 points, 7 of 10 of shooting, I believe, or maybe it was like 8 out of 11. I think it was 7 out of 10 shooting from the field. He was very good. I just don't want Jalen to rush back. I, I'm starting to feel like Jalen is feeling some pressure that, like, if he's not on there and the team does well. I mentioned it a while, you know, a couple weeks back, where Jalen might put more pressure on himself that's not needed. Like, Jalen... If you need an extra day, you don't have to play against the Hawks, bud. You you just don't need to play against the Hawks. I would rather have you be okay, be 100% healthy, and then play in the Pistons game on the second night of a back-to-back versus coming in, shooting 2 or 12 from the field, and being terrible against the Hawks and kind of wasting your energy. Do you get what I'm trying to say there? So Gordon looked good. It was nice to see because, let's be honest, I over the last couple of games he was like, Four out of 15, and then he got sick, and then he comes back and he shoots. He scores 19 off of either 7 or 10 of shooting, 8 of 11 shooting. So that was really, really good to see. So the Wizards and Hawks games, two good wins. They're seventh and eighth wins of the season. Super pumped about it. And now, do I want to do banner banter investigate? No, let's get into the Pistons game, actually. Yeah, let's get into the Pistons game real quick. Pistons game, they lost to the Pistons 103 to 114. It ended their eight game winning streak. The Pistons went into this game like needing a win. The Pistons lost six games in a row going into this. They needed a win real bad. They played desperate basketball. You could see it. Like they were they were willing to do whatever it took to win this game. And the Celtics just seemed uninterested. And that happens. You know, the second night of a back-to-back, you just blow out a team by 21 the night before. The Celtics just weren't all there. It's annoying, it's aggravating. That's okay. It happens. It happens to the best teams. It happens to the Warriors. It will happen to the Raptors. You name it. It happens. It's not that big of a deal. Sure, it's annoying because of how well they've been playing. But, hey, to win eight out of your last ten games, that's pretty good. Now they get Monday. I'm sorry, Sunday or yesterday, today, and Tuesday off before they play the Suns. That's fine by me. Take Sunday off. Recoup. Get back into the swing of things. Don't let this one game 
frustrate you. The game was frustrating. And the best part is, like, there were times where the Celtics were down, like, 16 points with seven or eight minutes to go in the third quarter. And you say to yourself, they still got a shot at this. Pistons really aren't playing that well. We're playing, like, crap. And the Celtics, like, cut it down to four with about, I think it was, like, 90 seconds left. They had a chance to win this game. And they they just weren't all they just weren't all into it. You know, some people were, some people weren't. You know, Marcus Smart is into it. I'm I feel like Marcus Smart is like into everything. Like I'm I bet you like he eats Chipotle like really aggressively. Like he t- he treats it 110%. You know, like he brushes his teeth better than anyone else on the team. You know, it's it's very very serious whatever he does at all times. And Marcus Smart was diving all over the place. Marcus Smart got them back into this game. You know, just like he did with the Wizards. It's it's crazy what this guy does. But Tatum, Gordon, Marcus Morris, they sucked in this game. They were 12 out of 36 combined. They were not very good. They were not like Marcus Smart. You know, Kyrie had his typical game where he drops over 20, took some shots that really weren't needed, but then took some other shots. And Kyrie was the leading rebounder in this game. Like, you shouldn't be saying that. You know, this was a game where Al Horford was missed big time. Like, people have been saying, oh, are the Celtics better without Al Horford? Maybe he slows things down for him. Maybe the Celtics like to get up and run and all this stuff. And there have been times where some of those same people are like, oh, I love Point Horford. Have Al Horford on the top of the key. It spreads everyone out. That way the rim protector's not in the paint. That way Kyrie can do his thing. Jalen Brown can attack the basket. Jason Tatum can attack the basket. There are so many different options you can do off of screens, off of handoffs, whatever the case may be. Al Horford was missed in this game. There is no doubt about it. Drummond took over. Blake Griffin took over. You know, Blake Griffin's back back down game is very good it's annoying to watch but it's very very good and Marcus Morris just got in a lot of foul trouble and I feel like he got frustrated about it and he just didn't play his that was probably Marcus Morris's worst game of the year and Marcus Morris hasn't played a bad game yet this year so if Marcus Morris is going to give us 28 out of 29 great games then so be it and speaking about Marcus Morris you know here's a question for you does Marcus Morris deserve an all-star bid it's a serious question. You could argue, you know, I've, I've said it once, I'll say it before. He's been the best Celtics player this year. Sure, Kyrie over the last, like, three weeks have been, like, otherworldly. But if you think about it, games 1 to 28, Marcus Morris is your best Celtics player. I mean, he scored 30 points once. He scored over 20 multiple times. This is his contract year. Like, this is the last year we're going to see Marcus Morris, guys. I mean, Marcus Morris is only making $5.3 million. And next year, he's going to make... 15 or 17 million dollars he's gonna make more money than marcus smart does because some team will overpay for a wing that can shoot the ball pretty well and is pretty good defensively especially like a playoff team so if you look at it like a team like the milwaukee bucks you know they they have chris middleton who's good wing they have giannis do you really want to re-sign eric bledsoe he's not that great but like the bucks could be like oh we're gonna take marcus morris away from the celtics and offer him 15 mil but the celtics can't do that because then you have to make the decision you want to sign, re-sign Jalen Brown when his contract's up? Make sure you have enough money the year after to re-sign Jason Tatum because you want Jason Tatum around for the long haul. So it's very interesting to see. And I know I mentioned Al Horford not being around for that Pistons game, and he was needed. But Al Horford has missed four out of the last six game or four out of the last seven games. Are you okay with 
how the Celtics are treating his injury, I bet you Al Horford could play right now. But would you rather have Al Horford come in and have them beat the Pistons for their ninth straight win and Al Horford not be 100%? Or would you rather have him sit out for a bit? I'm about him sitting out for a bit just because you look at Victor Oladipo and the Pacers. Victor Oladipo was out for a long time. He was out for like, I want to say like two or three weeks with a... I don't want to say it was the same injury, but it was basically the same thing. And the Pistons were fine with him. And now they're, he's back 100%. And now the Pistons, and um, not the Pistons, the Pacers are the number three seed in the East. They've passed the Celtics. They've passed the 76ers. And I think, hold on, let me let me just check right here. I have the, uh, I have the NBA standings here. Yeah, they're only like, they're, they're only a half game behind the Bucks for the two seed. Like, it's it's crazy to think about, folks. The, well, I've said it all along. The Pacers are not to be messed around with. So the other question about Al Horford with the fact that the Celtics have won a lot of games with him in the past, you know, when he had his concussion last year or with his little knee issue this year, he has a $30 million player option next year. And I know this is way too early to think about it, but just keep this in the back of your head. Do you want the Celtics... Because you got to think of it this way. Al Horford has a decision to make. Do I want to go to a different team and be a free agent, or do I want to make $30 million and still continue to play for the Celtics? And that $30 million could mess up a lot of things. It could mess up Kyrie's money. It could mess up Jalen Brown's money. It could mess up Jason Tatum's money. So what's more important to you? Just keep that in the back of your head. Because if the Celtics keep winning without Al Horford, I'm, I'm an Al Horford guy. I think Al Horford's good. I think Al Horford's very important to this team, but they've won without him. So keep that in mind on what you think the Celtics should do this upcoming summer because you know, like, if you're in Al Horford shoes, are you going to take $30 million? You're goddamn right you are. You're not going to not take $30 million. I mean, Al Horford, I think, is 31. He's either 30 going to be 31 or he's 31 going to be 32 soon. And if you're 32 years old, you're, like, really old in the NBA, and that's not true. I mean, I'm turning 34 next month, and... I feel old, but like Al Horford is like old in the NBA and he could be making 30 mil. So just keep that in the back of your mind. All right, let's preview the upcoming three games that the Celtics have this week. First one against the Phoenix Suns. All these games are at TD Garden, by the way. There's a, uh, I think it's a seven o'clock, an eight o'clock and a six o'clock. The eight o'clock is an ESPN game Friday against the Bucks. But first, let's focus on the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker, he's been hurt with a quad. Uh, with, I'm sorry, not with a quad, with a hamstring injury. I believe he's he was questionable to play on Saturday night. I don't know if he actually played or not, but he should be healthy enough to play. If I mean, if he was questionable to play on Saturday, he will most likely play against the Celtics on Sunday. The last time Devin Booker showed up to TD Garden, he dropped 70 points. Let's not forget about that. The Suns only come once a year, and that was last year, and he dropped 70 points. Last time the Celtics played the Suns, they should have blown him out, but they were down 22 at one point. Kyrie did his thing, brought him back, and they won in overtime for something that shouldn't have happened. And again, the Celtics should destroy the Suns. I'm not doing predictions, but the Celtics should destroy the Suns at home. I don't care if Devin Booker's back and if he drops 60 points. The Celtics should and need to win this game. The, these are the type of games where if you look back and, you know, if you look back, like if we're in April and you look back and you say to yourself, man, the Celtics are the four seed, that sucks. I wonder why. It's going to be games like this if they lose at home. So the Celtics better win this game. All right. Next up, the Bucks. 
I think the biggest game of the week. I I'm on the boat where the Bucks are more dangerous than the Philadelphia 76ers. I fully believe that. I don't care if the 76ers have Jimmy Butler back. I believe the Bucks are a bigger issue for the Celtics overall. Like on paper, do you want to say, oh, well, there's more superstars on the 76ers? Sure. But what did we do to the 76ers in the second round last year without Kyrie? Beat him in five games. Right? What did we do with the Bucks without Kyrie? Lost in, like, we, we beat him in seven games. Like, we had to, like, if we didn't have home court advantage, we might have lost that series. I am more fearful, like, fear the Buck. I am more fearful of the Bucks, and that's why this Friday night is super, super, super important. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm, I, I keep getting better and better when I say that. I fully believe that, not to sound cocky, but Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ooh, that one was bad. Damn it. I jinxed myself. But anyways, Giannis, let's be serious. He's the league MVP this year, in my opinion. He is playing an, an ungod... Like, he is unbelievable. Like, to do what he can do at that size with those arms and the, his hands, which are like the size of like my face, is absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, who's very good at... I don't want to say... I guess controlling like calming Giannis down is Al Horford I don't care how many times Al Horford gets dunked on but Al Horford does a good job against Joel Embiid and Giannis damn it I jinxed myself Al Horford does a great job against Joel and Giannis so do you rest Al Horford you know make sure he doesn't play against DeAndre Ayton and the Suns and his first game back is against Giannis and the Bucks I'm okay with that I really am since the Celtics went on this little like winning streak, it was like November 25th or November 26th when the Celtics went on this winning streak. The Bucks are 5 and 4. They beat the Hornets, the Knicks, the Warriors and the Pacers. I'm sorry, that's who they lost to. They lost to the Hornets, the Knicks, the Warriors and the Pacers. Hornets, not bad. Knicks, pfft. Warriors, pretty good. Pacers, pretty good. They did beat Toronto in Toronto which is a huge, huge win for them because to go up to Toronto and play in the six, as the kids like to say, Team Kanye, I, that's a, I'm like nervous that like the Bucks can get over that hump where they can win where, wherever they play. Keep that in mind. The Bucks haven't been that great lately, but they can go to your place and beat you. I know the Celtics beat them earlier this year at the Garden, and I hope they can do it the same. But just... Keep in mind, if the Celtics can beat the Bucks and then beat the Hornets, their their confidence is going to be sky high going into that Christmas game against the 76ers. So let's focus on the Hornets game. Sunday, 6 o'clock, TD Garden. Brad Stevens' worst nightmare, Kemba Walker. Brad Stevens, whether it was at Butler in Boston, he cannot figure out how to guard Kemba Walker. He's never been able to. I hope the Celtics can kind of control him in this game. The Charlotte Hornets are currently the seventh seed in the East. I believe, yeah, because they lost to the Lakers the other night, and the Pistons beat the Celtics. So the Hornets are currently the seventh seed in the East. They're like a 500 basketball team, and since the Celtics' winning streak, they are now five and yeah, they're now f- yeah, they're now four and six. They've lost to the Hawks, who the Celtics just destroyed. The Jazz, who are pretty good against the Celtics. Pelicans, who they've beat. The T Wolves the Knicks, and the Lakers. Celtics have beat the Knicks. Celtics have beat the T-Wolves. Obviously, we're not playing the Lakers until February and March. They have beat the Nuggets as well as the Bucks. 
So this team can beat good teams because Nuggets record-wise is the first or second best team in the West. So they can beat good teams. Okay, so keep that in mind. The Nugget, I mean, the Hornets are a very up-and-down team, and let's hope we catch them on the down this upcoming Sunday against the Celtics at TD Garden. All right, I think that's the end of the Banner Banter podcast. This, oh, nope, sorry, I got one more thing for you. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. All right, this week's Banner Banter Investigation, just like I promised last week, is on Vitaly Patapico. Vitaly, Vitaly Patapico is a former Ukrainian basketball player who played at Wright State University. He is actually one of two players to ever play at Wright State to then go play in the NBA. He was drafted 12th overall in the 1996 NBA draft. And here are the first six picks of this draft to let you show that, like, oh, the 12th pick, he's really not that great. Ready for this? Allen Iverson, Marcus Camby, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Stefan Marbury, Ray Allen, and Antoine Walker. Those names sound familiar? So the fact that this dude was literally in the top 12 of, of that conversation is ridiculous. Yeah, like... Vitaly Potapico didn't really have a great NBA career. I mean, let's be honest. You know, the really tall, slow, big white guy, you know, that people think will dominate but won't, you know, because it's not the 70s anymore. He was the type of guy that those that is what NBA GMs and coaches thought about. But, like, to be in the same sentence as, yeah, I was drafted in the same draft. I was only picked seven spots after Ray Allen. I, I'd put that on my resume. Are you kidding me? That's that's pretty crazy. He played 273 games for the Celtics, basically almost four seasons, pretty short of four seasons. He started 120 games for them. He averaged five points, seven boards a game. Nothing special. He took a total of one, one three-pointer in his four years there. Think about that. Think about centers, power forwards now in the NBA only taking one three-pointer. I mean, Aaron Baines averages like to a game. I mean, that's a little bit of a, a fib, but Aaron Baines has probably already taken probably 30 threes this year. I'm going to go with, you know, like one a game on average. I mean, there are times where he takes two or three, and then the next game he takes zero, and then that averages out to one and a half. But anyways, he was traded for Andrew DeClerc in 1999. Andrew DeClerc was our banner banter investigation last week. And then he was traded in 1999 with Kenny Anderson to the Seattle Supersonics, rest in peace, shout out to my buddy Big T, for Vin Baker, who was our third or fourth Banner Banter investigation, and Shimon Williams, who maybe we'll do Shimon Williams next. I don't think he played that long for the Celtics, so it's kind of like worthless to do that. But once his NBA career was over, he started coaching, and he got up to, I think it was in 2013, he started coaching with the Cleveland Cavaliers on their coaching staff. Not like a head coach, you know, just helping young players or foreign players kind of get acclimated with the NBA and stuff. And this past June, he left to go leave to go help the Memphis Grizzlies and their coaching staff. So if you ask me, Vitaly Patapico leaving the Cavaliers is much bigger than news than LeBron James leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you ask me. You know, that's just all that I'm saying. All right, guys, that is the end of the 20th episode of the Banner Branch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
please tell your family and friends about it. Uh, I will be releasing an episode on Christmas Eve in the morning. So if you drive into your family's house, your in-laws' house, your friend's house to celebrate the great holiday that is Christmas from time to time, please tune in. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all the other fine podcast applications. Please listen. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast and on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. Thanks so much. I uh, got to give a shout out. Who do I get? Whose birthday is it this week? Uh, whose birthday? I feel like it's someone that I know. My best friend, Big T. Happy birthday, buddy. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate all your help on the podcast. He is the voice of the Banner Banter Investigation little intro that I do. So happy birthday to my good friend, Big T. T squared for life. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.